31, I think we'll go ahead and get started. We know we're going to have some people coming in late. Um, we have a quorum. I see uh, Amanda, Nancy, Maddie, um, Mosin, and um, Ben. And myself. We have a quorum. Deb Ford is not going to be here tonight. Stephen Kramer. For everybody's uh, knowledge, has resigned. Kay Johnson and Daryl are going to be late, and uh, that accounts for everybody. So, with that, uh, our first agenda item is approving the agenda. Uh, excuse me. Um, this is Kathy Richardson, Director of Sustainability. Um, yeah, you have to do call to order for it first. Sorry. Yeah, and I've got some housekeeping items for the Zoom meeting tonight. Right. Okay, I'll go ahead and go through those quickly. Uh, good evening, everyone. I just want to share a few housekeeping items for tonight's Zoom meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast for the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. All board members, please keep your video on. All others uh, can keep your video off unless you're participating during the meeting. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. And uh, for clarification, public comment is welcome for action items on the agenda and during the public comment section of the agenda. The chair will ask for public comment during these times. And a reminder for everyone, there is another meeting tonight that starts at 730 uh, in person here at the City Commission Room. So this meeting will need to end by around 715 p.m. And I'll turn it back over to you, Stan. All right. We should put housekeeping items as a bullet under call to order so I don't bypass that every week. Anne Rasmussen. Um, chair of the sustainability advisory board. We have a quorum. As I said, we're expecting um, Kay and Daryl to arrive late to the meeting. They let uh, Kathy and I know that they were gonna show up late. And uh, Deb Ford is not able to attend. She's on a plane right now. With that, uh, the first item on our agenda is to approve the agenda. Would anybody like to make a motion on that? So moved. Seconded. Moved by Nancy. Seconded. What's that, Ben? Maddie. Maddie. Sorry, I couldn't see who was talking. Seconded by Maddie. All those in favor of approving the agenda, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Same sign. All right. The agenda's been approved. Um, we did reorganize. I probably should have said this up front. We reorganized it just a little bit to get some of the administrative stuff done first before we got into the more um, lengthy staff item. So that's why it looks a little out of order this week. Okay, next item on the agenda is to approve the minutes. Has everybody had a chance to look at those? Review them? 
Did anybody have any changes they wanted to make to them? No changes. How about a, a motion to approve the minutes from last month? I move that we approve the minutes. And moves. Seconded. Seconded by Maddie. Once again, all those in favor of approving the minutes, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Same sign. The minutes were approved unanimously. Okay. On our agenda, we have two action items. Um, I think we'll go ahead and, and take public comment on these. First one is a draft letter for an additional staff position. Nancy, would you like to uh, review that for everybody? Um, so in, sept in our September meeting, we drafted a letter to request an additional staff member for the SAB, um, I'm sorry, for the uh, Sustainability Office. Um, let me pull it up, hold on. Um, it would be a, a, a full-time position and um, we're requesting this for the deliberations for the 2024 uh, budget um, because of the unpredictability of weather, floods, extreme cold, and so on. We think this is an important um, addition to the city's uh, staff. Does anybody have any discussion about the letter? Any of the board members? This is Ben Sykes, sad board member. I thought it was really good. I, I think, um, and Kathy maybe can speak to this, it was in the original budget, kind of the differentiation of the position, like what that position would be doing compared to what the uh, what Kathy's position does. And I think that's really an important part of it, which is basically analyzing the data, pulling together a lot of the information that allows us, you know, Kathy to help facilitate decision-making and things like that. And if there's, if Kathy agrees and the rest of the SAB does, I think there's value maybe in just a sentence or two that kind of highlights the complementarity of the new, this position that we are really encouraging them to put on. Like Kathy, like, I don't think you can do it all. I think we've already said that you can and you know that you can't, but like what they specifically would do that would help almost like supercharge your position too. It is described as a sustainability analyst versus director. So I think it has a little bit of information there, but we could elaborate. Does anybody else have comments? I want to. I I don't want to be a, a surprise to anybody, but I'm going to vote against it because I think it's premature to be recommending that we add another position when Kathy hasn't even been in her position for more than a couple of months, and um, I think we should see how Kathy performs in her position before we recommend to the city commission that they add another full-time person. So. I think it's premature. I'm going to not be voting in favor of moving it forward. Maddie Bell, SAB board member, 
um, correct me if I'm wrong, but prior to the separation of county and city uh, sustainability offices, there weren't same office. So since there are multiple employees for the county, I feel like it makes sense to have more than just a director for the The city. (laughs) This is Kathy Richardson, Director of Sustainability. So uh, there was a position that had been approved in the budget for 2022. It was a sustainability analyst position, the same one that the subcommittee is uh, referring to and and wanting to be budgeted again in 2024. Um, With the split of the two offices, uh, that position's uh, budget plus the budget of what the city was paying the county for their share of the director position. That is what formed a new City of Lawrence sustainability director position. So uh, while it was budgeted in 2022, um, that one did not open up for recruitment. As you can recall, the former joint county city director uh, resigned in December of 2021. And um, since then, the the conversation began on uh, splitting the uh, sustainability office. So, Maddie, you are correct that the joint county city sustainability office had multiple um, staff, and there was one new staff member um, that was budgeted for 2022, which is the sustainability analyst position. Um, And then now with the split, uh, the city basically was able to budget for a director position the county still has uh, multiple positions, which some of them are grant funded. Um, I should mention that too, for a particular time frame. Maddie Bell, SAD board member. Cool, thanks. I guess I was just like, uh, I guess I would like to hear your perspective, Stan, on why a wait to, like, I guess I don't understand the connection between like waiting and Kathy's positive or negative performance in the position because I feel like I thought we were like all in agreement that like you know climate change is an issue and so it would make sense to me to fund another or ask for funding for another position in the sustainability office because it's addressing the problem as opposed to like it being about like Kathy's performance in the position or maybe I'm misunderstanding what you said. Yeah, I don't think I said anything. This is Stan Rasmussen, Sustainability Advisory Board member. I don't think I said anything about Kathy's performance. I'm just saying she hasn't had an opportunity to perform. She's been in the position all of two months. And and then we're advising the city. This letter would advise the city commission that that she needs help, that we need to have another staff person. And... I think it's premature. I don't, I don't think Kathy's been given enough time to perform her job, to do her job, and to demonstrate that there's the need for another staff person. So I just think it's premature given this early stage of her her position. Maddie Bell said, remember, thanks. I- I, d- I did misunderstand, so thanks for clarifying. Uh, this is Ben Sykes, SAB board member. So when you say premature stand, what would you imagine the um, situation were, the conditions were, how, how long until Kathy, I mean, she has been performing in, as an interim for more than two months, but 
how long or under what conditions would you think it would then be appropriate to um, for the SAB to support the recommendation that they hire in two years beyond that? I guess I'd like to see somebody have a, a, a year to work in their job. Okay. And for us, us to evaluate, it, our, to me, this sends a message to the city commission that, that we're not getting enough support to the board, that, that Kathy can't support the board and the actions of the board for saying she needs help, she needs another person. And I, I just think it's premature to be sending that type of message. Uh, Nancy Muma, SAB member. Um, I don't think it has to do with focusing on Kathy at all. I think that the message that we're trying to give is that climate change is a really important immediate issue, um, regardless of, of how long Kathy has been in her position. And she has been in that position nearly a year as an interim person. So um, I don't think we need to focus on Kathy's responsibility, but the issues at hand with respect to the, the immediate needs of addressing climate change. Uh, this is Kate Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. Uh, I am gonna support the letter. I believe that um, Jasmine's position before Kathy already needed assistance. The, the website needed to be updated at more education um, events needed to be scheduled. Of course, COVID hit, uh, but we already saw a need before each of the departments had their own sustainability uh, goals. And we've already seen that some departments have uh, issues even understanding what their role is in those goals. And I think that an additional person um, would be beneficial, whether it's this budget or next year's budget. We, we have been behind the eight ball every time that we come up for discussion about budget. This is really a placeholder to get in to the commissioners to say, we feel like there is not enough support right now. And I, I feel that. And so I would I will support the letter. Amanda Stam, Sustainability Advisory Board member. I feel like our recommendation on this is going to be kind of based on how serious we're taking our our goals for the city um, in the future. I think that if we are adding an analyst to the team, it is. I mean, just that somebody that is collecting and analyzing the data to help Kathy or whoever is in that position to make the best decisions and to help us make the best recommendations of um, how to best use our money to get the resources we need to meet our goals. Uh, so where I stand, I'm for it right now, just because I do think that um, the city of Lawrence has some pretty strong goals, especially by that 2030 deadline and um, that, somebody to support Kathy or that role in actually obtaining information um, would be very valuable.
Mohsen Fatemi is a board member. I also support the letter because I believe that in any of the fields of energy efficiency, climate action planning, renewable energies, anything that Kathy is working on and doing the coordination, it, it, it takes a village. It's I, I, I was going to say that, could we in the letter suggest more than one person? And you just said that you don't um, support that. And having worked on these things such as climate action planning and energy efficiency stuff and sustainability rating systems. I know that these are group works. It's even, even organizing a student organization on KU campus requires many more than one person. So I can't imagine Kathy doing the coordination between all the different departments and the SAP members and being able to get into the details of any of the recommendations that we make or the city, different city departments need to work on. I guess I have a, this has been Sykes SAB board member. Kathy, I kind of have a question in that I could imagine two scenarios, one where we have a, a relatively larger and robust sustainability office and all of the departments in the city staff are asking you for data or prop, you know, um, papers or things like that, right? That are gonna educate how they actually do things. And the alternative is potentially that each of those places has a person in their staff, right? Different municipal services or those kind of things has a person who a portion of their responsibility is sustainability since the city has in the strategic plan has prioritized that. And I'm just curious if you have an understanding of, you know, whether or not the city commission or city in general works more through kind of centralized things like they're asking you for things to give them back or, you know, a lot of that is done more in a more distributed manner. That's a great question. This is Kathy Richardson, Director of Sustainability. And um, I did want to make this comment at the beginning, but I waited for some of this conversation to come out. I think I've mentioned it a couple months ago with our strategic plan. Um, while I am the champion for the environmental sustainability commitment within that uh, strategic plan, I'm not the only one that um, has that responsibility within the strategic plan. All the outcome champions, which are the other directors, um, have progress indicators that are in the area of environmental sustainability, and they are just as accountable to make sure that there's progress um, on, those, on that work. Uh, in addition to that, we have a commitment team. So while they they aren't staff that would say our work for the Office of Sustainability within the city of Lawrence. It's actually, I think, a, a great plan, uh, which all of them work in different departments. So, for example, earlier today, I was having a conversation with Andrea, Andrea Rapinski. She works for the Municipal Services and Operations Department. Um, she is a data master, uh, and she is helping us on the environmental sustainability uh, progress indicators that need data. So um, another example, um, Melinda Harger, you can see, is on this Zoom call. She will um, be 
able to join in in the conversation on that sustainable capital projects policy. So I am working with staff from other departments who, again, their responsibility is to move the needle on environmental sustainability. Uh, so they are working on sustainability work uh, and they're from different departments. Uh, Melinda is also with the Municipal Services and Operations Department, but I could also give you examples of where Parks and Rec staff are working on um, sustainability uh, items as well as other departments like planning and, and such. So uh, the, the idea, and we're going to get into the more detail of the strategic plan of presentation or more of a conversation so that we um, all understand kind of what the structure is and how all of us uh, work together. Uh, but the concept really is of not being a silo of sustainability, but more um, having all the departments um, work within that, uh, the progress indicators of sustainability and key staff within those departments that are working on data or other projects for sustainability. Amanda Stam, Sustainability Advisory Board. So Kathy, do you feel like that you're getting the support then that you need those members then? And that an analyst at this time or sure so, is something that budget for? Good question as well. Um, you know, additional staff, you know, helps with the coordination. And um, as some of you have mentioned, the work is large. The work of the strategic plan is also, uh, it's a very aggressive. There's a lot to do and there are competing values. It was built in a way where there are some tensions um, and will always be, you know, between some of those commitments, you know, sustainability, and then there's the financial aspect um, and budgeting of the city and so forth. Uh, so there's always going to be some tensions and there's going to be, you know, the as as we progress in the work um, and, and I'm trying to, you know, maybe uh, sit together with one of the directors, let's say Parks and Rec, to talk about environmental sustainability where there, there are other commitments that are also uh, trying to get uh, that director's a time to work on their uh, progress indicators as well. So we're 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 all kind of new to this new structure and how we're talking to each other. Um, as as you've probably seen, some of the other um, offices like uh, the Economic Development Office as well as Equity and Inclusion have grown uh, past just their one director. They have a an, a second staffer uh, there that that helps with the work uh, because again, it the strategic plan is very ambitious and there's a lot to do uh, for sure. Hey Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. Kathy, uh, almost for the last uh, two years, and you wouldn't know this, uh, I've asked for the website to be updated so that we are actually educating the public. That has not happened. Um, I, I feel like that there are things that could be, uh, as you're supporting the other departments as well as they are supporting you, but there are some things that we've already said are a priority and, and, and that's on the sustainability department, which is you, um, goals, which is increase the education events. And obviously that goes along with improving the website. The website hasn't been updated 
I don't know how long. Um, th those things take time to do that. And supporting the other groups is one thing, but uh, I, I feel like it's it's well past our time to say, look, we need to have a, a placeholder in there whenever the budget money is available that, that you need additional staff. And you're being very nice about, um, you know, walking a fine line, and I appreciate that, but I feel like that the website hasn't been updated. There's definitely things. The Sustainability Advisory Board uh, expected the Climate um, Action Plan to be already enacted and already be updated. And yes, COVID happened. And uh, yes, there was a split. Yes, there was new staff members. But those are things that need to be taken care of. I don't know what your schedule is for the, the Climate Action Plan update. And we really haven't seen anything um, regarding that. So there's there's a lot of things that I feel like that we should go ahead and put a placeholder for an additional person, whether it be a, an analyst or whether it be an education uh, position or whatever. Um, there, I think that um, with my background in local government, you can't do it by yourself. Do we have any more discussion among the board? We, we have a couple of um, members of the public. I wonder if they have any comment. And I think we had a, a written comment submitted that said, suggested we support the letter. Is that right? Did everybody see that? I don't see anybody <clears throat> online from the public participants. I don't see anybody raising their hand or trying to speak. So I would ask, do we have a motion somebody would like to make? I, oh, go ahead, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy Muma, we can't hear you, Nancy. Nancy Muma, SAB board member. Um, I would like, I would support a motion or I make a motion that we support the letter that was written by the subcommittee and forward it to the city commission. I seconded. All right, we have a, a motion from Nancy to support the letter and a second from motion. Uh, Second for motion for it. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Aye. So it passes six, six to one. All right. Next item on the agenda is uh, Kathy was informed that we have to take a formal vote on adding Ben Sykes as a member of the Food Policy Council. So I don't know if anybody has any additional comment or if members of the public have comment about Ben serving. Once again, Maybe. we appreciate, appreciate his willingness to do that. Kathy, did you want to add something? 
Um, I do not, but it looks like okay. Kay's got her okay. hand raised. Sorry. I make a motion that we um, name Ben Sykes at his willingness to serve on the Food <coughs> Policy Committee. I'll second it, Nancy, SAB member. All right, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB chair. We have a motion from Kay Johnson and a second from Nancy uh, to approve Ben Sykes' appointment to the Food Policy Council. All those in favor say please signify by saying aye. 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 Be opposed, same sign. All right, it passes I unanimously. Abstain. I will not say aye. <laughs> and, and, and Ben wants to abstain from his own <laughs> Thanks, Ben. You can, but you can support yourself, Ben. It's okay. Right. But you need to show up the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, when Maddie and Kathy and I met uh, a couple weeks ago to kind of flesh out the agenda, we wanted to get these administrative items done and over with early so that we could give Kathy ample time to cover kind of two aspects in the in the staff items. One of them is about the sustainability commitments in our strategic plan, the city's strategic plan, and then uh, also the sustainability or sustainable capital project policy that wants to present to us. We're not going to be taking action on these items. I think it's very important for us to familiarize ourselves with the strategic plan and the, the sustainability goal in there and the key performance indicators. And if you all are, are following along with what the city commission did about a week ago, where they want to review all of the boards in the community, uh, 40 plus boards, and their goal is to potentially get below 10 advisory boards in the city. Uh, there's an there's a chance that our board is going to be merged with other boards or boards merged into ours. There's a desire on the part of the city to really focus on the strategic plan and achieving the goals in that. So we need to be to make sure we're in tune with that. And so we asked Kathy to give us a presentation on the strategic plan. I don't know, Kathy, which order you want to go. Do you want to do the capital projects first or the strategic plan first? I'll leave that up to you. This is Kathy Richardson, Director of Sustainability. I was hoping to do go over maybe just kind of that overview of the strategic plan and then start with kind of diving deep into the policy that's um, that we wanted to share and discuss tonight. Uh, like I mentioned a little bit ago, Melinda Harger is here to kind of join in with that conversation as well. Uh, but um, but I'll do a, an overview. And while I have a presentation and I have slides, please stop me and let's have a conversation if if something doesn't uh, make sense. Or I want to make sure that um, that 
that at the end of this uh, discussion that you're feeling more comfortable with the city's strategic plan and how it all plays together. Um, you know, I, I just heard a comment of uh, the the progress indicator on events that uh, celebrate environmental sustainability and how that's uh, something that is my responsibility. Um, actually, it's the responsibility of, of several um, other, uh, uh, number one, the the outcome champion were that to progress indicators falls and then other departments that are all working on those events that celebrate environmental sustainability. So I'm hoping that as I go through this presentation that um, some of that makes sense and how we, we all are responsible and accountable for this work. Um, I, I'm hopeful that you all had a chance to at least um, go to the city's website and review uh, some of it. But if not, I am going to pull up uh, that website as well. I'm going to share screen here. Just one second. Make sure that you can all see. Can you see the presentation? This is Stan Rasmussen, I can see it. Perfect, thank you. Again, this is a kind of big overview. Um, I will also say you may ask me questions that I might not know the answers to. So I don't know all the answers and we're figuring out the progress indicators as we go as well. So let's just kind of work through this. Um, I can jot down some questions to like follow up with this advisory board at a later time as well if there's something um, that's missing. So in strategic planning. Hey, Kathy, I, I hate to interrupt. This is Stan Rasmussen with the Sustainability Advisory Board, but because you're sharing your screen, I can't see everybody. So if you have a question during this, as Kathy has asked you to engage with her, you're just going to have to speak up because I can't see everybody's image to know if you're raising your hand or something like that. So just speak up on your own. Thank you. All right, Kathy. Yes, thank you. So uh, strategic planning again and what it means for the city, it's um, there's there's three components to it. So why we do the work we do, what it takes to achieve the future that we have described, and our commitments to how we do that work, which ensures that we do it right and with excellence. So you see this on the website, you see it on a lot of presentations that the city um, has put together. And just a little bit of background, the city commission did adopt this strategic plan framework in October of 2020. Um, there was uh, some time there uh, with community engagement and uh, a lot of participants that had input for this. Uh, but then in July of 2021 is when the city of Lawrence published an overview of the strategic plan. And that includes those progress indicators that I mentioned, as well as some strategies uh, under those progress indicators. As I mentioned, this is really the, the whole process was in listening to the community. There were um, over 3,000 participants that gave input um, to the strategic plan for the city of Lawrence. And actually lots of staff was trained to be those, um, 80 plus staff was trained to be those facilitators um, and, and go and, and, and get some feedback from the, the public. Uh, the strategic plan, I'm going to just click on all five of these, have five components, uh, the mission, vision, uh, values, 
outcomes and commitments. So you hear the staff talking a lot about outcomes and commitments, and I'll go into that um, in detail. But the city commission did adopt um, and approve a mission statement and vision statement as well. So for the mission, uh, we create a community where all enjoy life and feel at home. If you haven't seen the vision for the city of Lawrence, is supporting an unmistakably vibrant community with innovative, equitable, transparent, and responsible local government. And the organizational values um, that were outlined are character, competence, courage, collaboration, and commitment. There's a lot of um, other information and descriptors on all of these, uh, but again, this is a, a high-level overview. I'm going to um, go ahead and move on to outcomes. So the outcomes in the strategic plan represent what our city is in the business to do. So this is what we're doing and what we plan to accomplish with our community. There are actually six outcomes, although five are talked about. Um, the sixth one is just a citywide category. Uh, but here are the five uh, main outcomes. Um, the first one is unmistakable identity, and it's our director of Parks and Rec, who's a champion. Uh, again, he has a whole team of uh, city staff from different departments, uh, as well as some um, outside organizations like Downtown Lawrence Inc. that participate in this outcome group or outcome team. So there are some outcomes that um, have uh, external non-city staff uh, that participate in the team meetings. Uh, this one is Lawrence is a welcoming community synonymous with arts, diverse culture, fun, and quintessential, uh, sorry, downtown with uh, city parks and community events uh, contribute to the vibrancy experienced by all people in Lawrence. Our second outcome is strong, welcoming neighborhoods. Uh, the champion for this uh, team is our planning and development services director. Again, he's got a whole team of uh, staff from different departments that serve on this uh, group. And um, this one is described as all people in Lawrence live in safe, functional, and aesthetically unique neighborhoods that provide opportunities to lead healthy lifestyles with access to safe and affordable housing and essential services that help them thrive. Safe and secure is our third outcome uh, Team, and this is, uh, there are two champions uh, that lead this, the chief of police and the chief of fire and medical. So Lawrence is a community where all people feel safe and secure and have access to trusted public and community-based safety resources. Our fourth outcome group is prosperity and economic security. Our director of economic development is the champion for this group. And she has both city staff and non-city staff, uh, like the chamber and others that participate in this team. Um, the city of Lawrence fosters an environment that provides all people and businesses the opportunity for economic security and intentionally acknowledges, removes, and prevents barriers created by systemic and institutional injustice. Our community succeeds because of collective prosperity and a vibrant, sustainable local economy. 
And here's our fifth group, Connected City. Our champion is the Director of the Municipal Services and Operations Department. I will also say the Transit Manager um, uh, helps uh, lead this group as well. And it's the City of Lawrence has well-maintained functional and efficient infrastructure, facilities, and other assets. Connectivity supports accessible, sustainable methods for safely moving people and information throughout the community and the region. Investment in these assets reflects the city's commitment to contribute to well-being of all people. And this is the outcome that shares the one progress indicator that we're going to dive into a little bit deeper tonight, uh, which is that uh, sustainable capital projects policy that we're going to be talking about. The commitments, on the other hand, um, I represent the way we do our work. And that is just as important as what we do. There are six commitments. Community engagement is one of them. Listen, share, and engage with our community to drive action and build trust in city government. Uh, sorry, the director of uh, the communications department uh, is community engagement champion. Efficient and effective processes, intentional and consistent delivery of city services. That's our director of IT. Equity and inclusion, fair and impartial delivery of services so that no group is disadvantaged or burdened along with having inclusive representation and participation for all. That's our director of equity and inclusion is the champion. Sound fiscal stewardship, efficient use and sustainable management of resources that align with community priorities. Our director of finance is the champion. Engage and empower teams. Our director of HR is the champion for this group. People throughout the organization are trusted, supported, and cared for as we build community. And the sixth one, environmental sustainability, uh, which is the group I lead as champion and a deep respect for our place and relationship with the planet and environment. For all six commitments, again, there are teams of uh, city staff from different departments um, that uh, attend, you know, meetings and are working together on some of the KPIs and such. Um, I will also say we started a meeting uh, like, you know, where we have a, a, a sponsored meeting with environmental sustainability, where we, um, I invite all the outcome champions and, and also the outcome champions each will invite uh, all the commitment champions uh, to attend meetings um, as they lead uh, discussions about those KPIs. Okay, I went super fast through outcomes and commitments, and I'm going to show you from the website how they uh, interconnect. But are there any questions, since I also can't see everybody um, at this point? Okay. Uh, the last uh, slide, and um, on this slide, uh, it's mentioned as key performance indicators. We also say key progress indicators. We call them progress indicators on the website, and that's um, what we use when we're uh, giving presentations. But it's a measurable value that demonstrates how effectively the city is achieving the key objectives. So we need to find a way to measure to make sure that we're making progress. 
I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing this and I'm going to open up the website really quick. Just a second. Have you all visited the website, City of Lawrence? Awesome, I see some thumbs up. Are you seeing the website now? Okay, great. Okay. Oh, maybe. There you go. Okay, so within the uh, website, I wanted to point out a few things, especially as you're starting to think of those questions for the goal setting session in December. Um, so you definitely wanna visit this uh, city website to look at these KPIs, uh, but there's a little bit more background, like if you wanted to read up on the resolution that passed the strategic plan framework. Um, over here, this one first paragraph on the plan overview, this is a great, document um, to review that talks about the process as well. Um, this is a very useful uh, handbook and many of us carry this around uh, when we're having our, our uh, meetings with, with um, other champions or others from the team. The next steps, just, just to kind of um, maybe give a, a a window of like what it is that we're working on right now. All of us are working on developing those progress indicators. So when you go through the website and you're like, well, this one has an orange cone, like there's no information here. So what's happening? Not all of them have data or a target or have fully developed uh, strategies uh, behind those KPIs. So just a warning, that a lot of this work is still in progress. And um, the way that it's been uh, at least shared with me is the strategic plan is really the work uh, for, uh, for this community for the next uh, three to five years. So if you have, let's say 20 progress indicators that you need to move the needle on, you might not be doing 20 at the same time. You might uh, prioritize, your team might prioritize um, a few for like this year and so forth. So um, that may be happening with some of the KPIs that need further uh, research and uh, data uh, gathering uh, where data wasn't available in the past. <laughs> Again, um, here's some information. When you scroll down, uh, you'll see the mission, vision, and organizational values. But the first section you'll come to is outcomes. Uh, but I do want to also show you that the city added a commitments section that actually will uh, filter out the KPIs that are just for environmental sustainability, for instance. So when I click on sustainability, environmental sustainability, I will get a copy of all the KPIs that live within the other outcome groups that are, um, and here's the outcome area, by the way. So you, you can tell by uh, what it states here. Also UI stands for unmistakable identity, but they're all grouped together. So from unmistakable identity, it will jump to strong, welcoming neighborhoods. And if I scroll down even further, I will see CC, which is connected city. Um, 
So I, but I'm gonna go back just one second. Previously, you had to go into every single outcome to search out which ones were environmental sustainability. So when I click on unmistakable identity, uh, you will see that uh, this team and the champion uh, for this group is working with all the commitments. They're working with community engagement. Um, they're working with uh, doo -doo -doo. equity and inclusion because there are some KPIs um, within um, that area. And uh, down below, you'll see the environmental sustainability, uh, the commitment areas. There are three one, two, three, within unmistakable identity. And again, uh, Derek Rogers, who's the director of Parks and Rec, and myself are responsible to making sure that uh, we are moving the needles on these. Um, I, like I promised, I do wanna jump uh, directly into uh, Connected City before I uh, go any deeper um, in explaining some of these KPIs so that we can uh, transition over to talking about that sustainable uh, capital projects policy. So um, just really quick on the website, uh, which one that pertains to. Again, our work is focused on these KPIs. So when I go down to Connected City and I'm gonna scroll down. Sorry, that makes you dizzy. Uh, but environmental sustainability is always towards the bottom. So know that. So you will see an orange cone. So C14 is number of public infrastructure projects that account for climate adaptation. And when you look at some of the strategies that were developed, um, and I believe uh, Melinda uh, was part of this process um, as well. Uh, so follow the implementation schedule for infrastructure improvements identified in the city's integrated plan, so CIP, to achieve clean water and human health goals while addressing aging infrastructure, climate change, and uh, competing values for funding. And then number two bullet on here was utilize the green rating system for infrastructure projects, which uh, the work on this uh, sustainable policy is addressing this green rating system. Did you see me jump over? Yeah, to the agenda. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and open up uh, the Sustainable Capitals Project and invite uh, Melinda to turn on her video if it isn't already. Um, have you all had a chance to review this uh, document? Um, okay, I see some thumbs up. That's great. Kathy, so, mm -hmm. sorry, this is Ben Sykes. I have some questions more generally about the strategic plan. It looks like Mosin does too. So or maybe yeah. before we dive into this one. Yeah, absolutely. What are the questions? Uh, Mosin, you had your hand up first if you want to go first. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, I was wondering whether we have, we could have access to like how these different concepts are operationalized and measured. It, it would be important to see how they are measured, like for, for sustainability and environment. I see that like the direct in on the scoreboard on the, what, what was that? The, strategic plan scorecard, I see that like for sustainability and environment, 
that directly related to energy is buildings being up to code and the percent of renewable energy within city. So mm -hmm. I, I see that no, no points for being a just city. We have it in multiple places in the strategic plan to be a just and equitable city. So if 100% renewable we are, but the rate is so high that no low-income families can afford it. So that's a thing that I think is missing there. And I guess if, if we could have access to how these indicators are measured, that would be very nice so we can take a look at them. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, again, different departments and different staff working on these uh, KPIs and the data behind them. Um, Melinda, if you wanted to, I, I've got the Connected City one up. So if you wanted to talk about some of the, the ones within Connected City, please chime in. Sure, um, Melinda Harger, Assistant Director of MSO, I'd be happy to. Um, so behind the scenes, we have all of our uh, data in a in a spreadsheet where we're tracking and we're still on some of these trying to figure out if what we identified a year ago um, to measure is truly what we should be measuring to get at where we wanna be. Uh, so we are looking at that consistently. Um, like we know tonight we're talking about CC14 and the green rating system, but we still have to set those targets and how are we actually gonna measure if we're gonna use the green rating um, system, for example. So um, when it comes to, if we think of the energy ones, uh, specifically um, when we look at natural gas or biogas that's renewable, we're looking at measuring across all of our, right now, each one of these for energy has different um, units of measure. And one of our goals is to eventually convert it all so that we have a carbon metric, you know, um, you know whether that's we convert it all to pounds of carbon, but that's how the green rating systems use it. So we're looking at doing something similar with this rating system. Um, but right now it's pretty simplistic. So um, we know we have some biogas reuse at our wastewater uh, treatment plants. And so that's what we're measuring. And that's really our only, that's why we're at 1%. Uh, that's our only renewable um, gas on our fleet and our fuel. Right now, this is counting, it should be looking at actual fuel consumption, but we are not there yet um, to be able to, to really measure the impact of even some of the hybrid vehicles. We don't have a lot of electric um, vehicles in our fleet, um, with the exception of transit, of course. So on this, we're measuring, you know, how many electric and hybrid vehicles do we have compared to our total fleet? And um, the metric is actually going up um, to around 2.4%. We're gonna, we're gonna say that's about 2% now. But I feel that's not the best way to measure that just in number of vehicles and how many are, are um, you know, 100% electric or hybrid. So we really want to get to the point where we can convert that to um, amount of carbon. So we're measuring the, the same across all of these. Um, on the electric side, it's 100% of the energy that, um, that the city uses on our energy bill. All of that because of our agreement with Evergy is 100% renewable. So that's what we're measuring. Now, if we looked citywide, that would be a completely different metric. Um, it was chosen to use, um, you know, city used 
energy for city facilities, city um, uses um, within the, the city of Lawrence organization. Um, same with when we're measuring uh, gas and fuel. So I'm not sure if that kind of answers part of that question, but we had to determine on each one of these what units of measure we're using, what can we get at right now, and then we have goals of kind of where we want to go. Um, and a lot of these, it's we don't yet have the data available or the tools set up, but we know we want to get there. I did also want to clarify, uh, Mosin, just uh, there is an ordinance that the city commission passed uh, that is uh, renewable energy, like city wide, community wide by 2035 in electric, natural gas, and, and transportation. But these uh, KPIs within the strategic plan are just uh, addressing city facilities, city fleet. Uh, so I just wanted to make that distinction that in the progress indicators, these are not community-wide. These are just for city operations. Looks like Maddie has a question. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Maddie Bell, SAB member. Um, I guess I was just kind of confused about how the city is defining renewable because it mentioned, I and sorry if I misunderstood, but it seems like uh, natural slash methane gas and biogas are being considered renewable when in my mind, if you burn something and then it releases CO2 in the atmosphere, that wouldn't be a renewable energy source. So I was just wondering if I could get some clarification on that. Sure. Um, so instead of paying for additional natural gas from the utility at our wastewater plant, we utilize the naturally occurring in our biological treatment processes, that gas, and we don't flare all of it off. We try to utilize that in the functions we need on site. So that's how we're diverting and using less, you know, from the utility by using this fuel that otherwise would be burned and released into the atmosphere. So it's, it's kind of a unique situation, um, but we did want to capture that. Um, I think right now the city is not really set up to have renewable um, you know, natural gas. And so we're not gonna see a lot of progress in this particular area. I think that's one reason it would be good to measure not percent, but also carbon, like the total carbon, because then if, as we divert and we're using less gas and more electric, you'll see a metric go down where here, if it's just percent of energy of natural gas that's renewable, it's not really gonna move much, if that makes sense, um, as we divert to other energy sources like 100% electric. Maddie Bell said more remember. Okay, thanks. So this part, sorry, this particular one, CC12 is just saying like the amount of methane we're not using and instead are using biogas for, it, yeah, 1% of our natural gas usage um, or our gas usage is this coming off of our biological process. It, and otherwise, we would have to do that additional 1% from the natural gas utility. Okay. But, but just to be clear, the city is not considering methane slash natural gas as renewable. No. Okay. Thank you. Because it's, it's almost like recycled or diverted, right? No, okay. I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I don't think this is the right way to measure um, this particular metric. And so we want to get again to the carbon aspect of cool. it. Thanks. I will also add to this, Maddie, is this is you're getting to one of the KPIs that uh, 
we have a lot of questions on and we have been scratching our heads about um, how are we going to accomplish this and this is a I think a big impact item for uh, stakeholders like the sustainability advisory board to get involved um, in, in those conversations as well so this is a great opportunity one um, and I just wanted to add that Okay, um, Ben. This is Ben Sykes, yeah. Ben Sykes, SAB board member. Melinda and, and Kathy, you guys raise a really important point, I think, is is let, if we focus on this one, for example, what's the process in place for saying, I know we articulated this KPI in this way and or we set this specific target, but actually now when we're trying to operationalize it, that's not what we need to be measuring and or that target was all wrong. So when you, do you guys have the actual ability to do that or is that going to take like yes. a vote from the city commission to say CC12 shouldn't read that way or, or what? No, um, the process is right now we can update just the basic uh, data that's in here quarterly. We up, do quarterly updates of the scorecard. But our understanding, a city manager has said annually, now we don't know, it's sometime around the budget process. Um, if, I don't know if it's gonna happen the first quarter of next year or more the second quarter, um, but we'll have an opportunity to bring all of the recommended changes. Uh, the champions will bring those forward and say, "This we're planning to change the scorecard and here's the recommended changes and why. And it's really more like some feedback, not necessarily approval of the changing of the metrics, but more of just that loop with the commission to understand why we made those changes and for them to ask questions on why we're, we're going about that. And just to see if there's a disconnect, like we understood this is how we should measure it. And here's the pros and cons of how we were doing it before versus what we're suggesting. And then, you know, someone may come up with comments that change our mind, but for the most part, um, you know, we're going to have all this information that's happened over the past year and a half to say, even that, you know, this isn't working, this would be a better metric, this one's not helping us operationally or to communicate our progress the way this other change would. I will also add that I don't think there's one commitment group or one outcome team that is not having this exact conversation right now um, with uh, KPIs they have uh, identified that maybe they're not measuring the, the right um, item or just needs to be tweaked um, for the data that uh, can be gathered and is available. Uh, Stan? Yeah, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB board member. I think that it, the question that you just raised, Ben, is really important and I think it's Something for us to consider as we do our strategic planning next month is being a resource, making ourselves valuable to the city, making the SAB valuable by being able to help evaluate these progress indicators, the metrics that are being used to measure them and helping advise on how they, the metrics could be changed or enhanced or improved. I think that's that's something that if we can show that to the city mission that it will help position us to be one of those 10 advisory boards that survives this big review and i think it's a very valuable um, <clears throat> service that we could be providing so I, I, I appreciate your question i think it's something for us to be considering as we move into our strategic planning session next month Thank you. 
Any other questions at this point? Okay. I will go ahead and uh, move us on to the sustainable capital projects policy discussion. As I mentioned, this is in reference to CC 14. And um, I will also kind of give a little bit of context, especially for the new board members. Um, there was a, uh, a a letter that uh, the Sustainability Advisory Board wrote to the City Commission in regards to the multimodal um, facility. And um, it, it was really about the, the natural gas decision. And, uh, you know, staff uh, had received some direction from the commission earlier in the year and kind of progressed with plans. Uh, Melinda knows this very well. She was very deep into uh, that project along with other city staff and the um, consultant. So in order for us to have some sort of policy that maybe uh, outlines these decision points is how we're going to, what we're going to incorporate into new city facilities or uh, infrastructure projects um, where it's, you know, already decided and, and there's uh, a policy we can reference um, to and, and not have to go up to city commission each time with the same questions um, as to how we're going to uh, build. Um, this is what, uh, you know, the discussion point was at that time. It was something that staff was already, had already highlighted within our strategic plan that we wanted to work on. Uh, it certainly will help uh, Melinda and her team uh, moving forward. So, uh, this is our, uh, this is not the full policy. We really picked out those discussion points, the big items of that we really want your feedback because the process moving forward from here, this is a draft uh, that uh, a small staff group uh, put together and uh, looking at what other communities are doing. We, I know that got a lot of resources from Green Build and uh, we, we put together what we felt uh, would be good for the city of Lawrence just as a draft. And now we're going through to getting feedback from other staff within the city, from other stakeholders. The Sustainability Advisory Board was top of list. And we really want to um, hear back from you uh, you know, have a discussion at this meeting. Uh, Melinda's here to answer any questions as well as I am. Uh, but the process moving forward is we really would want to get this up to commission before the CIP pro the, the process starts, which is January of 2023. Uh, so CIP projects uh, are getting, uh, you know, there's input and that's basically when the 2024 budget uh, discussions kind of get started as well and, and that work. So uh, we have today's meeting to go over kind of high level and ask for feedback. If you've had a chance to review, we will take feedback after this meeting as well. If you, any of you want to just email us directly, please do, or if you have additional questions. I do know that the December meeting for the Sustainability Advisory Board, um, you know, there's discussion about keeping it short, uh, but if, if you wanted us to come back and have any um, kind of follow-up um, to this uh, topic, uh, please let us know. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and open it up. I'm, I'm not going to 
read this uh, policy statement, but it just provided you kind of a little bit of background of what we're trying to achieve. And really the, the bulk of where we need some feedback from you all are these policy requirements. So there's a distinction that's being made between facilities, so new facilities and major renovations, um, which is uh, the LEED certification language. Um, and the uh, new construction and ma major renovations of infrastructure, which uh, we would be using the Envision um, process uh, for that. Uh, definitely want to make sure that we have a discussion around exemptions um, and, and if you have questions on that. Melinda, did you want to add just a very top kind of level few minutes? Sure, sure. I can give a very brief overview of the two different uh, rating systems we're highlighting here is the ones we would like to focus on for different types of CIP projects. Um, I'm, I'm sure most of you are familiar with LEAD, uh, Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. It was created by uh, the U U.S. Green Building Council back in 98. Um, we have lead buildings within Lawrence, so I'm I'm sure you're familiar with kind of how that works. It was developed um, in the architectural industry. It's focused on buildings. Over time, there's different rating systems that have evolved out of that. So we're, what we're looking at here for CIP projects would be the lead uh, BD plus C. So that's what's used for new construction, major renovations. Um, there's also opportunity, I, I see this as the first step in policies because I have lots of ideas of things I'd like to add working with Kathy, um, you know, looking at LEED O&M and going after all of our existing buildings. I think we can um, do a lot in that area. Um, we're also um, having discussions already with um, USGBC about LEED for cities and making sure Lawrence um, gets certified under that. So. Um, so just wanted to make sure to clarify, this is the LEED BD plus C, if you're familiar with the variety of rating systems under LEED. And then um, I wanted to give a high level overview of Envision. So Envision, Envision is a sustainable infrastructure rating system. Um, it's focused on like the triple bottom line. It um, focuses on civil infrastructure. So it was developed um, by APWA, so the American Public Works Association, American Society of Civil Engineers, um, ACEC, which is American Council of Engineering Companies. And the focus was there's been lead out there for a while. And in 2012, they said, um, you know, here we're unveiling this rating system that can be used for a lot of infrastructure. A lot of construction that happens is municipalities, um, county governments, uh, state governments doing these infrastructure projects. So uh, we need to see these same type of principles be applied to infrastructure, but what needs to be measured, the criteria would be different. And so they customized it for that. Um, it's really nice in the fact that um, they cater a lot to local government in the terms that they make it very easy for us to get certification, very low cost. Um, to train our professionals. So I'm happy to say we have several um, professionals within our project management team that are, already have this credential. I came to the city 10 years ago with uh, the LEED AP credential, um, but the goal is for all of our project managers, we have uh, about 15, 16 uh, project managers, they will all have the green 
um, rating certification or credential in either Envision or LEAD by this time next year. So 100% will be familiar with this and be utilizing it on all of our projects. We're planning to use the checklists for these um, on every project. So even though you see those exceptions and the goals um, and saying, you know, for projects over the size or that meet this criteria, we're going to go for lead gold. Um, that doesn't mean that a project that doesn't meet that isn't going to use this. We plan to put this language into all the scopes of services for outside design consultants and we'll be looking through that same consistent checklist for every facility project. Let's look through the lens of lead for every infrastructure project. Let's look through the, the lens of envision. And the more we do that, the more everyone becomes familiar with it. We find, you, you know, it's just a, a way to professional development for our staff and for everyone to get very familiar with this in ways that we can optimize in all the projects that we deliver. So I wanted to share that with all of you. Um, and then just uh, let me see if there was anything else on Envision. I did also want to mention on Envision, we can do our own self-assessments and rank it. And then when the differences, the Envision verified, there's a third party that comes in and it's a way to calibrate your own self-assessments. So if you're doing some self-assessments and then you bring in third party, you can find out if you're missing the mark on how you're scoring projects. Um, and so with Envision, it starts at a verified level where certified or lead starts at certified. And then they're similar in that they go silver, gold, platinum from there. So if you hear the, the different levels, I wanted to share that piece of it. Um, also Envision can be applied during um, design. You can use it during early planning and design, or you can also go back re retroactively post-construction um, you have a project you want to highlight, you know, you know that you followed all these things. Maybe it wasn't something at the beginning of the project that you went wanted to go for, you know, envision gold, but then by the end of the project, you're like, you know what, we want to prove it. So let's go ahead and submit it. You can do that at that point too. So I, I'll stop there. I could talk about this all day. So I'll just open it up for questions. So more than for any staff member. Um, does this policy create a requirement for adopting, for going with certifications, or it's just a recommendation? I don't know if Kathy wants me to speak to that or not, but I, I would say as the, the group I lead, our construction management engineering team, what this policy would do for us as we, as we submit CIP projects, We'll be submitting them with the budget that would align with the policy. So if a project's scope meets this criteria, we'd be immediately putting it into our scoping uh, in the description of the project, and we'd be putting the budget in there. So I think anytime staff uh, varies from any policy, we have to take it to the governing body and explain um, before we would proceed. So in this case, we would go to them, um, The everything would be identified that this project's approved and these are the conditions and part of that project is it's supposed to be um, lead gold at the end, right? Um, so that would be how we would proceed. If we ran into some issue during design or maybe construction and this as soon as we realized that we were in trouble and maybe not gonna reach that, we would be notifying the commission to let them know, you know, this is the policy, 
here's the issue we've run into, whether it's a financial issue or it's a logistics issue um, where maybe there was an assumption that now it's no longer valid. Um, but our goal would also be to exceed whatever's in the policy if we can. So my concern with such policies is that it, it's very easy to create symbolic policies and adopt them and not go with them. Like now we have the 2035 renewable goal and for the multimodal facility project, we're going with gas. So I, I, I'm always concerned about accountability measures incorporated into policies that are adopted. And that, that, that would be a thing to think about, I, I guess. I would also echo um, Mosin, just uh, this isn't a recommendation. If it's a qualifying project uh, that fits the criteria, it is to be, um, you know, what, again, new facility, whether that's LEED Gold certification, if that's the level we, we end up um, presenting to the city commission and they approve, then that is what it is. There is an exemption section and that's why I wanted to make sure we got uh, feedback from the stakeholders on that as well uh, because this, the city commission could uh, you know exempt a project uh, from this policy but as it's set it's not a recommendation is if your project qualifies under the definitions that are on here then you've got to you know build lead gold certified for new facilities for example. Nancy. Under the section about exemptions. And um, one of the exemptions that's there is that um, things, um, let me see, like for like equipment and or process component replacement, you know, and w when you need component or equipment replacement, that's when you have the opportunity to upgrade to a renewable source rather than continue with a gas furnace, for example. Um, so I, I would like to see that modified. Is there a reason that you chose like for like? Yes, and I can speak to a little bit of that. Um, on some of this, we're looking at things uh, that we see at our water and wastewater treatment plants, for example. In a process, equipment change may be a $500,000 um, item. Um, if we're just changing a like for like item, if we want to completely change that to a different process, um, it could be 10 times that or more. So I think the issue is, you know, if, if we have a piece of equipment that's failing, that's providing, you know, safe drinking water for the community, we don't want to get in the situation where we now have a, a two to three year project that costs 10 times as much that maybe wasn't in the plan um, in, instead of switching out that equipment. We would, we're always looking at ways to um, improve the energy efficiency when we switch out equipment. Um, so that, that definitely would be part of this. Uh, some of the process equipment we're running into on our current wastewater treatment plant project, we have a big uh, nutrient removal project, which in itself is an environmental sustainability project um, to put, um, you know, better water back into the river. Some of the process equipment that's available, um, it, they don't come in a 100% electric option right now. We really hope the market moves 
tremendously, you know, in that direction over the next five years and beyond. Um, but some of them, it's just not available. We find that also with some of the purchase of construction equipment. They just don't make that component that we need yet, um, but we're hoping to get there soon. So we wanted to make sure that we had some of that flexibility in here too, because we also, again, we have that tension with sound fiscal stewardship and our rate pairs and equity and some of those things that go into um, here that was under the infrastructure um, type project. And so a lot of those are for our water wastewater utility or our stormwater utility. And those have rate models and have big impacts on the rate pairs. So, so you could at least modify the language so that um, you would say like for like if it's it's fiscally not possible or you know just modify the language to say that you will like to try to improve the situation if there's repairs but if it's not possible then you you would repair with with the like for like just i like that that's a great suggestion we can definitely include that and this is the type of feedback we are requesting. So what gives you a headache? What gives you a heartache when you read this? What do you feel is missing or not strong enough? Kay, it looks like you've got your hand up. Hey, you're muted. Yeah, you're muted. sorry. There you go. Get the thing over. Um, so I, when I looked back, Kathy, can you scroll back up to the top? Um, yes. I, I did see it, it struck me. I liked the list that it's this is trying to um, the implementation of this policy is intended to result in these things. I like that list. I think from my perspective regarding the climate issues, I would like to see added um, disaster resilient infrastructure and buildings because I didn't see that in anything I saw. I don't know that Envision does that. I don't know really that LEED does that yet. Um, but I, I feel that because we're trying to address the climate issues that uh, we want our buildings, we want our infrastructure to last longer. We want to, to, to build a hardened infrastructure and hardened buildings. We want to go beyond what um, what we've built in the past. We don't want a tornado to come through and wipe out our buildings. Um, and we, you know, we're seeing high winds, high extreme weather situations. And it seems to me that um, a bullet point would be to add disaster resilient infrastructure and buildings or some similar words, whatever <laughs> your words would be. Um, because I think that um, shows that we're looking at the uh, economics of building and rebuilding during disasters, and that is not economical. Thank you for that feedback. Mm -hmm. Ben? Yeah, Melinda, you brought up, uh, sorry, uh, water, I think is a really important element here. And I know stormwater is sprinkled through here and LEED has things about stormwater and I don't know about Envision. Um, it strikes me that redoing a parking lot or really any of these areas that are impervious surfaces really could benefit from, uh, I mean, an analysis of how that could be done. And I realize not all of those come to the $2 million level, right? Or, or the other exemptions that we have here. But 
it, it strikes me that that's a really easy thing. And in fact, I don't even see a KPI in environmental sustainability around stormwater or around how much water the city is using. I know we're talking about native plantings and stuff like that, and we're waving our hands like I'm doing. Um, but really, I think there's a lot of progress that can be made, even in small reading of a parking lot to, to take a moment and think, where's the water go when, when we get these, uh, you know, extreme, more extreme um, rainfall events or things like that? Can we trap some of that? Can we make that? So maybe just more explicitly in here rather than stormwater here and there, like focusing on what the LEED certification says or how that gets operationalized um, in capital improvement. I don't really know if you have any thoughts about that's bigger, but also how it can be done even when we're not talking about, you know, a ginormous new $10 million building or something like that. It seems like low hanging fruit um, that also will save us a lot of work when we're trying to treat that stormwater. And I, I know you guys are overwhelmed down there at the stormwater treatment. So. Yes. Is it okay if I chime in really quick, Kathy? I wanted to say I yeah. really appreciate you pointing out that stormwater was missed because um, it was a little over a year ago as we were going through that we realized we didn't have any KPIs specific to stormwater. So we did break out CC4, which talks about reliability of stormwater, um, just because we already had reliability <laughs> metrics. So we were able to make that very minor change. I agree. I think we need metrics specific to stormwater. Um, under reliability, we do capture some of the quality and quantity issues. Um, but I, I did want to say one of the reasons for the like $2 million, um, if we go in and we do um, a parking lot replacement, for example, it doesn't mean we're not going to look at some of those um, options. The challenge would be that parking lot pavement replacement would turn into a much larger project if it had to do all of the things to earn all the points to get to, you know, a verified level. Um, under Envision, there's quality of life, leadership, uh, resource allocation, natural world, and climate and resilience. As we get using those checklists, if something doesn't apply, what's nice within Envision, if it doesn't apply to your specific project because you're just doing a pavement replacement um, in a parking lot or you're doing a stormwater um, project and it's pretty much just stormwater um, new pipe going in, then if it doesn't apply, you can actually say it's not applicable and it doesn't count against you. Um, the difference on the lead side is you have to meet all the prerequisites and also it counts as part of the, the total. Um, you know, if, if, if you're doing something and it's not applicable, it's not a brownfield site, it's, it's a greenfield site, you can't get any of those points um, and you can't say not applicable. So that's a little bit about the rating systems, but part of this was also we wanted a policy that we didn't come to the commission a lot and say, you know, it doesn't apply to this one, we can't do it. Oh, we can't do this one. And it becomes so labor intensive to go back to them with all the what we can't do versus if we if we set the policy here, we can build upon it as we use Envision um, that has less um, experience in the industry, but we do have folks like Casey Water who are using the checklist on every project and, and we've been talking with them on how that's working. And so um, we do plan to use these principles and the checklist on every single project, but again, some of them we just didn't think they would meet that criteria, if that helps. Stan? You're muted. Ann Rasmussen, SAB board member, and now I'm unmuted. Um, 
I didn't want to get ahead of everybody else, but um, under the heading project type colon new construction and major renovation to buildings, there's several bullets. I wanted to go through some of those bullets with you, if we can do that. The first bullet that I have a comment on is, is the second bullet. Uh, the last sentence says, use native plantings and capture rainwater for irrigation. Uh, I, I think we should have a possibility for also using gray water, not just rainwater for irrigation for building related landscape irrigation. So I'd like to see gray water added for that. The next uh, two bullets, I have questions for both of those. The next bullet says that uh, we reduce the energy use by at least 30% compared to the baseline building performance rating. When and how is that baseline building performance conducted? Is there an annual, is there a plan to like have an annual rating process of all of our buildings? Is it one-time deal? What is the thought there? And Kathy, I'm happy to speak to this. So the process for this is defined in the lead uh, rating system and the criteria. So if it's for new construction, the way it's written right now is um, during design, you are estimating the baseline and then through energy modeling, they're showing different systems, different designs. How do you get to, um, you know, reducing the energy use by the 30%? There's a lot of energy modeling during design to capture that. Um, so what you're saying is that with each new building, we establish a new baseline based on all the other buildings in the in the cities? It's based on its own. So if you were to do just the standard, that's your baseline. And it defines that for those folks that are putting the MEP design together. Um, but there's, there's a baseline um, similar to the energy code. And then it's how do you get um, savings off of that through your energy so, models and how you set that up. So same thing for the next bullet. You're saying that there's a lead process that you go through to establish the pre-renovation baseline? Yes. And that's where I, I'm a lead AP, but even that part is very technical. And I, I'd want to refer to some NEP engineers that do a lot of these lead designs to be able to speak to all the different nuances of the energy modeling, but it is based on their design itself. Um, on major renovations, they look at the existing energy use, but then they still use the energy models to come up with the different options for your renovation and your renovated system and compare it to the actual energy use you had in that building prior to that. So there's other things that can go into that glazing on windows, you know, other things that you could do to reduce energy use as well. Okay, this is Dan Rasmussen, SAB member. In the next bullet, the last, um, well, it's just one long giant sentence. Uh, the last part of it though says, that you have to incorporate one or more of the following sustainable roof solutions if feasible. And it lists out three. And it seems to me that there should be a, 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 another part to this that says, or similarly environmentally efficient roof system, instead of just limiting it to these three types. 
way it's written right now is you have three choices, a vegetative roof, a solar thermal hot water roof, or a photovoltaic roof. And there may be other types of roof systems that are more fit environmentally for a particular building. And I think we should not limit ourselves to just these three types. So I, I would recommend some sort of catch-all. And then in the next bullet, the last part about using, the last sentence about using reflective payment, pavement, not payment, using reflective pavement, mitigate the heat island effect. That's, that, that's beneficial, that's nice, but I think that Ben's comment about using permeable surfacing uh, could also be beneficial. And just so you know, I mean, reflective pavement, pavement can be nice, but it also reflects heat up. So as you walk across it, your dog walks across it, you're subject to a lot more heat as the person who's walking on that pavement. So there's pluses and minuses about using reflective pavement. There's other alternatives to that, and that could be a pervious surface uh, material that, uh, you know, you could have these uh, bricks that allow plants to grow up through them and, and allow the rainwater or the precipitation to percolate down into the, the ground. So I think we should consider other options there and not just have a sentence that only looks at uh, using reflective pavement. Thanks for now, your feedback. Go ahead. And I'm, I'm going to move on. I see that Don Hawkins, a member of the public, has her hand raised. I want to go to the board members first before we move on to the public. So I would ask Nancy Mooma to please uh, ask your question or provide comments. So, so I wanted to follow up on on Ben's comment about the permeable pavement and and yours about the reflective pavement. There are also options for designing parking lots so that the water runs into islands where there is growth for, you know, green space, trees, bushes, and so forth. So it's really a, a redesign of parking lots so that the water doesn't rush off into the street or to the sewer, but is taken into areas that are green. And um, there, there's all sorts of urban planning approaches that could be used. And, and I think it would be important to add something like that there. Yeah, I, uh, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. I really agree with Nancy. I think there's a lot more that could be added in this paragraph concerning uh, parking lots or that bullet concerning parking lots. So I think you're hearing from several of us that mentioned. This is there any Kathy. other board members that had comments or questions? Just, just one second. This is Kathy Richardson, Sustainability Director. I did want to point out, because this feedback is great on these bullets, but I wanted to point out that we intentionally uh, drafted this policy where we didn't just leave it at as new new facilities would be LEED Gold certified, period. We added these bullets, um, and I don't know if you like them or hate them, um, but we added some bullets to say, hey, and you at least need to 
follow these other bullets. So LEAD is a whole system of, um, as Melinda has mentioned, of uh, the process for certification. The same thing happens with Envision down here, where we've pulled, looks like, five items that we're stating. Um, not only are you going to do your Envision certification, vertification, sorry, uh, but you're going to have a superior or higher scoring in the following category. So we're already calling out. Um, I don't know if you like it or not, uh, but this was intentionally done. Um, if you like it, great. And we can keep working on the, the language um, of the options. If you don't like it, let us know. And to this, say this just a little something more on that, I just wanted to highlight on the bullets. What that means is we're saying staff shall, on this project, it shall look at renewable energy. So that means you could go after LEED Gold and not do renewable energy. We're adding this as, as basically another prerequisite. We want to see this um, on all the projects. Um, so don't leave this part out and get your points from somewhere else. So we were highlighting things that we thought aligned with um, a lot of the other city policies and our strategic plan. Um, so it doesn't mean we wouldn't be looking at some of those other pavement designs and opportunities, but by putting it here in the bullet, we're saying it would be required on every single project. Um, so just one, including every renovation. Yeah, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. The way the way I read that is you're going to do lead. It says you will do lead and the following performance levels. So these are required in an addition to meeting your lead gold certification. But I think you've heard feedback that they're somewhat limiting in, in some cases or they could be expanded in others. Okay. Any other board members? I would like to give uh, Don an opportunity to ask a question or comment. This one won't take long. Um, this is Kay Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. So is it your intention, and I, I see in here that Envision, it says you seek uh, verification. So that means you'd hire a third party verifier. At least that's what my understanding of this document is. And then would you also do the same thing for lead gold? and make it and have a third party and and actually get certification yes for lead you cannot get certification without going through the okay. third party process envisions where it does allow self-assessment unless you put it at that verified or above level so yes okay. that is correct thanks all right I don't see any other board members with their hands raised at this point. This is Dan Rasmussen, SAB member. So I would like um, to give an opportunity for Don Hawkins to ask questions or make comments. Please, Don. Hi, uh, this is Don Hawkins, citizen at large, uh, citizen at attendee. Um, I'm going to back up to the the strategic planning process. I think that's really great that um, Kathy went went kind of explained that. I actually participated in that strategic planning process, and um, it was fun brainstorming in the Carnegie Building with other community members. And I do appreciate a lot that came out of it, but I never really felt like the way the community input was blended and articulated was 
truly representative of the conversations that I had during that planning process. Um, for example, there was a lot of discussion about clean environment and how pollution affects our health uh, and that kind of thing. Um, I myself spoke up on my concern regarding clean water. Um, so I would have liked to have seen more outcomes based on these concerns. So I like to think that the strategic planning process is ongoing and that priorities do change. And I'm glad that Kathy has provided this history and, and requested that the SAB keep the conversation going. Um, and so I just wanted to um, say that. And regarding the website presence of the strategic plan uh, and Kathy's assurances that there are other staff working on sustainability issues, I offer a couple of suggestions. It would be great to, be, to see those outcome champions listed on each page or near that, that item with maybe their email or contact information. Um, if there's a point person who's responsible for sustainability concerns within a particular city department, maybe they could be listed on sustainability webpage um, and maybe have some of those champions and department sustainability liaisons attend SAB meetings. So just some ideas I wanted to throw in there. Um, Kudos to Kathy for and her cohorts for putting together this great starting point with this policy statement. Um, this will really help the city commission in making faster decisions during city commission meetings because sometimes things just get punted because it's not clear. So that's all I can see. There's a lot of work that went into this. So. Um, Thank you. Uh, just a couple of suggestions for the statements, having not really looked at it very thoroughly, but um, I wondered if you could add the word citizen to the second sentence of the first paragraph. Um, it just kind of seems to make sense. Um, I would like to see more, you know, concern for protecting our water, both, you know, the water coming from upstream or stormwater and water going downstream, groundwater concerns and um, so I appreciate um, Ben's suggestion um, regarding permeable surfaces, and then just to add to that, uh, with part with regard to parking lots and such, um, we already have codified shade tree language. Um, so, but something about um, like um, uh, one of you just um, mentioned, Kay, uh, about you know shade trees and that kind of thing so it wouldn't have to rewrite it you could even just there's already some of that in our code so it'd be easier just easy just to reference it that's all thank you thank you don i didn't see any other members of the public uh with their hand raised um are there any other questions or comments for melinda or kathy at this time Uh, Maddie Bell, SAB board member. I really like Don Don's comments. I I just had a tweak for the language of one of them. I feel like citizen can imply uh, stuff about like your like immigration or whatever. And I feel like they're you know it might be exclusionary for certain community members. So maybe just saying like employees, visitors, and community members would be more inclusive. And I, I see a thumbs up from Don about it. <laughs> and that's that's all I had to say.
This is Kathy Richardson, Director of Sustainability. Really appreciate everybody's feedback. If some of you um, have additional questions or feedback, please uh, reach out to Melinda or myself. I will email you all Melinda's contact information as well. Um, so you've got that. Kathy, do you have any more on the presentation that you wanted to do cover at this point? I feel like uh, there is a lot to cover on KPIs within environmental sustainability. And tonight just goes to show how big this strategic plan is um, and how much time we, we really do uh, spend in it. And, and I mean, just one topic uh, we just talked about for 45 minutes and it, this could be an ongoing conversation. So uh, I am happy to share additional uh, links to presentations that the champions of the outcome groups have provided to the city commission. Um, most of those presentations are 20 to 30 minutes long with some commission, city commission engagement. So if you have time to review some of those, I'll, I'll put the subject of what they are so you can click on them uh, before your goal setting session and review that. That would be super helpful. Yeah, it looks like a few people have their thumbs up. So I will send you all the links to those commission meetings um, and the when the uh, champion was uh, presenting. Kathy, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. Can you also copy us on the, the slide presentation that you had about the, the strategic plan? Absolutely. And then have you, I wanted to verify, have you sent out the questions to everyone that we want them to consider before our, our goal setting session? Yes, thank you for transitioning to goal setting session. Um, as I provided in the email, it's scheduled for December 14th after a brief uh, board meeting. It's at the Parks and Rec uh, building at South Park. I provided the address there. There will be, it's a hybrid meeting, so there will be a Zoom option if you absolutely cannot make it, but um, I think everybody's encouraged to come in person. Even the public can attend in person. Um, and uh, Stan and, and Maddie and I um, had a recent discussion. We are going to have a facilitator um, at this goal setting session, a paid facilitator. So there's a change there that happened. Um, it's uh, Christina Holt uh, from KU. She has reviewed the questions that have already gone out to the board members. She thinks those are great. And we will, uh, Stan and Maddie and I will meet with her uh, to work on that agenda and uh, strategies for that goal setting session. The only quick question I did have is I did confirm with Parks and Rec that we can have uh, food at this uh, meeting um, in this conference room. So uh, Christina Holt actually uh, advised that having a little bit of a social uh, interaction is, is great. So if uh, you are interested in uh, maybe bringing some food to share, uh, we can have that uh, room open and available at 5 p.m. So the, the meeting starts at 5.30, but we can start a little bit earlier with a food share um, and some uh, introductions in person, because I think a lot of you have not met in person before. That sounds great, Kathy, thank you. thank you. I just wanna encourage everybody to please uh, review the, the questions. There's just a few questions, but it's, it's gonna take you going into the strategic plan, 
and looking at those key progress indicators, performance indicators, and thoughtfully considering how can we be a value to the city and the city commission in helping the city achieve the goals that they've established for environmental sustainability, the commitment that they've established, and how can we be of value in helping them uh, evaluate those key performance indicators, adjust them, enhance them, improve them, and ultimately uh, perform. And then there's other things for us to consider. One of the questions is what else would you like to see us do? Oh, there's opportunity to provide other comments, not just focus on those. We will also have the opportunity to email 300 plus uh, citizens who follow the Sustainability Advisory Board to ask them for feedback prior to the goal setting session. Um, so that was discussed with uh, Stan and Maddie and uh, we'll let the, them know to please provide comments uh, by the same deadline, um, December 5th, so we can consolidate all that together. And when do you anticipate sending that out to everybody? Mm -hmm. Um, so tonight was a meeting to make sure we had all the plans with the board members and I know the questions you already have. So tomorrow we will go ahead and send that email out to the 300 plus MailChimp followers of the Sustainability Advisory Board. Great. Great. Have a few minutes uh, before we run into our deadline. Don, did you have a quick comment or I see your hand is down. Oh, well, I'm happy to hear that there, it's, there's going to be something mailed out. I haven't seen the question, so I don't know if it's how uh, feasible this is, but I was just going to suggest um, putting a poll link if it's easy to turn the questions into um, a, a poll. I agree with what Kay said earlier that our, we've been waiting for the, our website to become more robust and accessible and things that are that are mailed to the the board aren't, that aren't, it would be nice to see things like that posted or, um, but anyway, I just wanted to suggest possibly doing some kind of quick survey. We've got a little over a month to collect public comments. So it, it wouldn't be just limited to those, you know, already following. I mean, I think the email is great too, but like if there was a, if there's a link to a, a survey, that would be awesome. Yeah, we, we talked about that um, in our planning session, Kathy. I don't know if you wanted to comment on that about whether or not we'd be able to have an official survey issued by the city. Uh, sure. So in, in my communications with uh, the communications office of the city of Lawrence, um, they did approve and thought it was a good idea to, uh, you know, get that mail um, list, email list from the Sustainability Advisory Board and do it that way. Uh, advisory boards and commissions don't really use the city communication tools like a news release or press release to ask for uh, feedback on a goal setting session. Um, so that's not something that would be approved. I think that we can go ahead and post uh, some information on the sustainability webpage to say the same message that will go out in the email. 
Um, and that, you know, again, they'll just submit directly to sustainability at lawrenceks.org. But those outreach communication tools like news release uh, or the polls is, is not something that um, uh, advisory boards or commissions have used. Thank you. Any other questions or comments before we adjourn? We look. I look forward to seeing everybody in December. And and for those of you that arrived late, I, I just wanted to make sure you were aware that Steve Kramer has uh, submitted his resignation. So we're back to having a vacancy. And, and I received an email today asking about uh, renewing my interest in serving. I, I can't remember if there was anybody else besides me that uh, needs to let the city know whether or not they're interested in continuing their service. There are four board members that received the email today. Okay. Hmm. Don, I see your hands raised. Can you be quick? I'm sorry. Yes, I just wanted to say I have my I put my application in some time ago, and I understand that uh, it takes some time for the city manager to work their way through um, filling vacancies. But um, I did finally throw, officially throw my my name in the hat. So if anybody wants to encourage the city manager to Review I think my it's application. the mayor that makes the appointment. I mean, time. mayor, City sorry. Manager. Yes, mayor, thank you. All right. Right. With that, I take a motion to adjourn. Seconded. Or I take the motion, so I make the motion. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Second Nancy it. seconding. Maddie made the motion to adjourn. All those in favor of adjourning, say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, we'll see everybody next week. Come early, bring some snacks to share. That sounds like an awesome thing to do. And I'll see Hi. you all in December. <laughs>